Taylor. Taylor cutting inside. Hercules Gomez. I yeah. am Sebi Salazar. Put that on. Screaming that extra little bit louder just so you can hear me. I have some <laughs> this mic guy, issues I can't here take to, you anywhere. to start the show. I can't take you anywhere. And you know what's crazy is that this is episode 272 of this show, oh. uh, and I still can't get my mic situation right, Herc. Episode 272, the one where Messi Keep scoring, surprise, surprise. How you doing over there on the West Coast? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Here on the West Coast, uh, yes, feeling good. Messi keeps scoring. I can't say I'm surprised. Um, I thought he would keep scoring. Not at this rate, and certainly not the way he's scoring, and we will get into that. Absolutely. So what? Miami and Messi are through to the next round of the League's Cup. Lots to get to in this edition of the show. We're going to talk some transfers. Uh, Haji Wright, Santi Jimenez, Austin Trusty, Matthew Hoppy, to name a few. We also have a great interview coming up with Chris Ewing. He's the owner of a club in Scotland, Herc, that is going public, and they're looking for investment. Very interesting story there. But let's start, uh, as we have for the last few shows, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's right. Home of Inter-Miami. Home of Messi Leagues Cup. Inter-Miami against Orlando. And surprise, surprise, there was a weather delay. Seven minutes in, though, no delay in Lionel Messi getting on the board. Gets in behind, and from there, Herc, he ain't missing. Oh, listen, Messi gets a ball from Messi. No, no, I'm sorry, from Robert Taylor. What a ball this was, and then just on a platter. Galesa can't do anything, finishes it off. All right, Orlando's not just here to be on the poster, right? This is a rivalry game. 17th minute, Cesar Araujo makes it 1-1. Yeah, nobody helps out Messi right there. The short corner kick, Araujo gets somewhat of a mess, cleans it up. Too many bodies for Drake to, to consider. Into the second half, Miami attacking. Joseph Martinez goes down. Hurt, penalty? No, no, <laughs> no chance. Martinez would step up. And convert. Inter-Miami take the lead. Yeah, it does the, goes the right way, scores his goal. Martinez on the board. Messi with one. He's going to get a second. Again, that right foot hurt. When have you ever seen Joseph Martinez give up an opportunity to strike from that distance? Great ball from Robert Taylor again. And then, ooh, delicate little flick. And Messi with the right foot. That's the third. David Beckham very, very happy as Inter-Miami wins 3-1 over their Sunshine State rivals. Five goals, Herc, in just three games. Incredible beginning to Lionel Messi's MLS career. Everybody's loving it except the opposition. Oscar Pareja, the manager of Orlando, especially heated after the defeat. Yeah, I think we have to be uh, clear on... Uh, the game was disputed by the two teams and then analyzed tactically and analyzed what could happen here and there. But we have to start with the reality of uh, the call of the PK and other calls that, that were, were ridiculous. And, 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 I, and I'm, I, I don't want to say that the attention that we get in here with all what is happening, it becomes a circus. Today was a circus. The, first, the PK is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I don't know the bar. I don't know if the bar came today. 
So if the bar came today and we have referees there, then we have to be honest and, and, and go and see it because the game deserves it. A circus, Herc. Shots fired from Oscar Pareja. Are they warranted? Yeah, they're warranted um, because it affected his team. And I'm sure there are Orlando City fans out there say, this affected my team. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are also neutrals out there. I was like, how can that be a penalty kick? And the rest of the other close calls he's talking about, yeah, you could have seen a second messy yellow. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If the name on the back of that inner Miami jersey didn't read out number 10, Lionel Messi. Now, what I'm getting to with this is we see this happen all around the world with major stars in all different types of sports. We see it happen with Real Madrid. We see it happen with Barcelona. We see it happen with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tom Brady. The big players get the benefit of the doubt. Who's going to be the first CONCACAF referee to give Messi a red card? And by the way, it's not like Messi has a reputation of being the bad guy, being the bad boy, of going out there and being the angry Messi, if you will. In fact, I've only seen angry Messi come out one other time. One other time in recent history, and that was in Qatar versus the Netherlands. That 2-2 tie, they went into penalty kicks, the Kemiraz bubble after the game. That's the angry Messi that I got to see. And I don't understand Orlando City's tactics here because shots fired by Oscar Pareja, and I'm with them. Some of these calls are dubious. The penalty kick for me, not a penalty kick. But what are you doing? Why are you feeding the line here? Mm-hmm. Like, of all the things you could have done to Messi... Get him angry? And what I mean by that, the message was clear by Orlando City, by Oscar Pareja. Be physical with Messi. They let Inter-Miami at one point have over 70% possession and worried more about trying to disrupt and be physical and kick Messi than to play against him. And what you want if you're somebody who's playing against Messi is you're hoping for Messi to be disinterested. Mm. Messi to say, I don't really want to be here. This isn't worth my time. Messi to say, what am I playing for? Why don't I just retire? Why don't I sit on the beach? Instead of getting him emotionally invested in a game, you went out and did the opposite. You got under his skin where what he wanted to do was prove that I am better than you and beat you. And that he did. Look, I'm not one to listen to an MLS manager complain about refs because we get it all the time. But I understand what Oscar Pareja is saying here, and I understand what you're saying here, which is everywhere else in the world, the star gets the calls. I don't think Pareja can complain if Lionel Messi gets calls, if Lionel Messi is not getting sent off for what could have been a second yellow there at the end of the first half. I think what he can get upset about, Herc, is inner Miami getting calls. And that's, I think, the worry here when we talk about things feeling a little bit rigged towards inner Miami, right? The bracket is set up for them. If you're going to start giving Joseph Martinez messy type calls, then I think we got a problem. Then Inter-Miami, who right now don't seem to need any help, are going to get more help on top of what's happening. I think that's going to be a trouble for everybody else left in this tournament. I get what Oscar Pareja is saying here, because it did feel like Inter-Miami was getting those superstar calls, and they haven't earned that yet, uh, even if Lionel Messi has. Let's talk about his performance, her, because it's another brace, and I think at this point we're starting to run out of superlatives. You've pointed to Orlando City, and I'm sure they bear some of the responsibility But it is the GOAT. You know what the great thing about Messi is? I don't think anybody can seriously sit here and say he's still not a top player in the world. I think Messi walks into 99% of the lineups out there in the world, and he's a starter. He's an important player for the majority of the teams around the world. That's not debatable. I saw Messi come into this league, and in my head, if he's fit, if he's sharp, he's going to destroy MLS CONCACAF, Liga Mekis, defenders, that's going to happen. What I didn't think would happen would be the Messi effect. 
that he would make those around him so much better. When's the last time you see a Joseph Martinez like this, a proactive Joseph Martinez, one who doesn't look like he's uh, running on one leg? When's the, when's the first time you've ever heard Robert Taylor, by the way? Nobody knew who Robert Taylor was, even if you followed Major League Soccer. The guy has three goals and three assists, and not just any types of goals. Golazos, not just any types of assists. Assists that you would see Messi himself give. All of a sudden, teams around the world, fans around the world, know who Robert Taylor is because of Messi. The Messi effect is real, so I can sit here and tell you, Five goals in three games, everything he's done. A team that was winless in, what, like 12? The last place team in the league? All of a sudden, three straight wins, and it's because of Messi. But it's what he's doing to the rest of the team. This looks like a completely different Inter-Miami. He is definitely having an impact on the other Inter-Miami players, but I think we're still seeing the impact of the players trying to defend Messi. At first I thought maybe, especially against Atlanta, just generally their whole performance, Maybe they were in awe. And then on top of that, I thought, okay, they had the wrong kind of tactical approach. I think Orlando did things quite differently than Atlanta. They certainly, to your point, wanted to get physical with Lionel Messi. They pissed him off, and, and that didn't really go their way. But I see this Orlando team, and I see guys almost backing off Lionel Messi. And it's not just Messi, by the way. huh? It's Busquets as well. Every time these guys get on the ball, they have acres of space. So if it's not being in awe of the player is it maybe fear of getting dunked on? Like, you were in the league when big names came in. I would think that would be the moment for an MLS player to say, hey, I'm going to go after this guy. I'm going to make my name right here. I'm going to make my reputation. I think what we're seeing with Lionel Messi is guys saying, I, I, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to be the guy on the Sports Center highlight. And that's going to hurt these teams because you cannot give this guy and Sergio Busquets the type of space that they're getting from these teams. And again, it can't be part of the plan. I know it's not Pareja's plan to, to have these guys with that much green in front of them. So what do you do? Do you stay so close to him that he doesn't get the ball, but when he gets the ball, he skins you? Because if you get too close, he's going to run past you. He's got the technical ability where he dips one shoulder one way, he goes the opposite way. He's got the intelligence where he doesn't even need to touch the ball. He can mm. move around you. And Busquets as well, I mean, you can't, you can't really leave a lane open, so you're yeah. kind of between two minds. Uh, there are going to be all different types of tactical schemes to try to combat mm -hmm. what these two players have done uh, or, or can do, uh, but it has to be a, a team effort to how you limit these players. So if you can't stop Messi one-on-one, -on -one, limit who gives him the ball. And if you can't stop the vision and the passing ability of a Busquets, limit how he receives the ball. There are other things you can do, but they haven't found the answers to it. Uh, any surprise that it was Felipe Martins that got into it with Lionel Messi? <laughs> I literally tweeted, I can't wait till Messi you know, meets Felipe Martins. And, and mm. literally like a minute and a half later, there they are jawing at each other. This is what I will say. Um, it would have been very easy for Messi, for Busquets, for Jordi Alba, for Tata Martino, Fio, the, the, these important figures to, to be in Major League Soccer and say, I'm in Southern Florida. Kick back, hands across, you know, back of their head and just say, what do I care? You know, yeah. I'm getting paid. I'm having fun. I, this is whatever. But they embraced the, what's, what's the name of this rivalry? The, the, the Soul rivalry? What, what's the name of it? The Sun? I don't even know what the name of it. The Florida Derby, whatever Soul it is. Soul Classico. The Soul yeah. Cla they embraced the Soul Classico. Are you serious? They're taking this more seriously than anybody would have ever thought. When's the last time you've seen Messi like this? By the way, great uh, stat here from our, our, our stats and info department. Uh, in the last two years, Messi's only booked, been booked twice. Mm -hmm. Two yellow cards, okay? Last night and before that, the 2-2 game versus the Netherlands. 
the uh, what are you looking at, Bobo? ¿Qué ves, Bobo? Okay, miras, Bobo. That shows you how invested Messi is. There you go. Lionel Messi with a couple goals as Inter-Miami beat Orlando in the round of 32 in the League's Cup. Up next for Inter-Miami, FC Dallas in the round of 16. But, Herc, this one will not take place in Fort Lauderdale. That's right. The Inter-Miami Messi Mania Beatles show goes on the road. Will the good times continue, Herc, away from home? Beatles show? How old are you? Um... Taylor Swift, sorry. <laughs> well, you could, you could get a group in there. They're from they're okay. from the Florida. So you could have said Bad Bunny. Sink. You could have what, what, said what you, you know Backstreet. You could have said a 90, 98 degrees. I'm just my okay. Point. Yes, your Sweet. favorites. Yeah. Your favorites. Oh, yeah. I don't mind. All right. Uh, will they continue? Yes. Listen. No. No disrespect for FC Dallas, but tickets were sold out in 22 minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, tickets are going for like nine thousand dollars. Uh, a, a ticket. They're not going to go see Sebastian Legette. They're not going to go see Paula Riola. They're not going to go see uh, Alan Velasco. They're not going to go see any of those players. They're going to go see Messi. This is going to be a pro-Argentina, pro-Messi crowd. Uh, and I was having this discussion with, with, with Stevie Nichol. Uh, back in Stevie Nichol in our days when Beckham came in there, and let's say it was the LA Galaxy versus the New England Revolution, and they were at now Gillette, okay? Mm. Uh, there would be ten to 15,000 more fans than normally. They didn't care to see a New England Revolution goal, those people who were there. They wanted to see David Beckham swing in a free kick. That's what he was saying. Same thing here. These people aren't going to care about FC Dallas winning. They want to see Messi do his thing. Dunk on somebody like you just said. Mm. Put somebody in the highlight reel. When you've got that kind of momentum going for you, as they do right now, and here's the kicker. Inter Miami is only going to get better, and we yep. saw we saw Diego Gomez come on. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, we saw uh, we're going to see Aviles come on at some point. Facu Farias, you're going to see their players like Jordi Alba and Busquets, and hopefully Messi get sharper. They're just going to get better, and on that side of the bracket, mysteriously the weaker side of the mm -hmm. bracket, it's lining up nicely. Lionel Messi and Frisco, you think he'll stop at the uh, Soccer Hall of Fame? He should. He should. He should get a lesson on, uh, on All-American soccer history. It's funny you mentioned Steve Nichol. We were doing extra time last week while you were on vacation. I was out in L.A. in the studio with those guys. And they kept coming back to, oh, once he gets on a plane, it's going to be different. He's just doing it at home. And I, I couldn't understand why they thought a plane ride to Dallas well, from South, South Florida would be such a difference for Lionel Messi. This isn't some record-breaking FC Dallas team. They hardly score a goal a game. I okay. mean, this, Inter Miami's. You can count two goals automatically if he starts the game. Okay. So I, I, I don't see no, no. how. Dallas can I tell you why? Can here. I tell you why? All right. Yeah, because Stevie used to fly charter probably back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Stevie would fly charter. They're not gonna. Okay, very quickly. Uh, you're going to one of the hardest surfaces in the league, a dry ah. heat, not a humid heat, and that flight from Southern Florida to Texas to Dallas will be plus four hours. Three different, two different time zones for them. It's going to be a change like he's not experienced in his career. Doesn't mean it'll affect them, but it's going to be totally new and foreign to him. So Inter-Miami then will fight for a spot in the quarterfinals of the League's Cup. Quite far from the quarterfinals of the League's Cup, we find Chivas, who were unceremoniously dumped out of the competition before the knockout rounds even started. Chivas losing to Sporting Kansas City 1-0 after falling to FC Cincinnati by a score of 3-1. to one. That, of course, leaving them last place in the group and out of the tournament. As for why it happened, well, we got to get some explanations. Let's hear from the manager, Velko Paunovic. 
nos sirven para aprender algunas cosas, sacar conclusiones que hoy, hoy sobre todo han sido muy obvias en qué estado de forma nos encontramos algunos y, y con eso ya eh, también tenemos que decir la verdad que el, el, no estamos en este momento a la altura de inter, internacionalmente competir con estos equipos. All right, Herc. We're putting this down as a get lost. Do you think the Chivas manager deserves it or not? I'm going to give him a get lost. Get lost, Velko Panovic, but not for what he said, because I think this gets lost in a little bit in translation, and I'll explain okay. that, okay? When he's saying we're not ready, we're not at the level of uh, to compete internationally with these teams, I think he means our fitness level isn't where we want to mm. be at to compete against Major League Soccer. I think that's what he's saying. That's a big part of how Chivas plays. That said, Velko, get lost, my man. It is clear <laughs> that Major League Soccer is Velko Panovic's kryptonite. Mm. This man could not succeed when he was with the Chicago Fire. He had three seasons where they were terrible, thoroughly, mightily struggled, and we saw it in two games, not just this game, two games, Cincinnati in Cincinnati and Kansas in what was Guadalajara, it looked like. Okay, That, that, that was a, a sea of red in Kansas City. So they had a pro Chivas crowd, and they got worked. Mm. The first half, It could have been a 3-4-0 game for Kansas City, a Kansas City team that went winless in their first 10 games of the season. This is bad. Why is it bad? Because what we saw last season where they made the final Chivas and this season, their first three games where they're undefeated and they are league leaders in Liga Mekis, they fight, they claw, they run, they outwork everybody in Liga Mekis. And you're telling me, That's what Major League Soccer teams did to you? That's why you couldn't chase the ball? That's why you couldn't get the ball? That's why they worked you and embarrassed and humiliated your club, one of the most storied franchises in Liga Mekis? That's why? That's why? Come on. Herc, do you buy the idea, big picture, that Liga Mekis teams, because of the, the timing of this tournament, are at a disadvantage. Chivas is 3-0, but just three games into their season. Of course, Sporting Kansas City, everybody else much more in mid-season mode. Is that an excuse or a valid reason for the struggles? No, I, I think it's an excuse. And I hear, you know, I was going to say Professor Beto again. What am I doing? <laughs> Producer, <laughs> <laughs> Producer Beto, he's getting, he's getting angry. There's only, there's only one big club mm -hmm. in all of Mexico No, no, no. Excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't make it to the next round. He's, he's citing America. That's, that's a mm -hmm. humiliation in itself. Mm -hmm. But they didn't win. They, they, didn't, they couldn't beat Cincy. They couldn't beat Kansas City. Uh, this is an all-time, I, I shouldn't even say low for, for, for Chivas, but a team that made the final last season and is the leader in Liga Mekis this season doesn't get past a group phase. For Chivas and their standard, I think that's a humiliation, yes. Yeah. Uh, I th I'm glad you cleared up that you thought it was, was about fitness because at some point I thought it was about money, but you're not going up against the, the big spenders. I think uh, Sporting Kansas City 12th and what uh, FC Cincinnati 17th in the league in spending. The max they spend is like $15 million on their roster. Surely, Herc, Chivas is spending much more than that. So, so Velko Panovic has enough to compete against MLS teams, right? He's not going down well, that Well, Velko Panovic had enough to compete against Liga Mekis teams and, and the best Liga Mekis mm -hmm. teams. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed the way they played last season and how they start off this season. And what goes to show you that they're better than what they showed is when 
Alexis Vega comes off, when, when Eric Gutierrez comes off, when Guzman come off, their three biggest players, Chivas look better. When it's Yael, Yael Padilla, who, who's 17 years of age coming on and making the team look better over these superstars, you've got a problem. You've got an issue at hand. Chivas, the only uh, real big boy, I would say, out of Mexico to go down. But there's some, some big MLS teams. We talked about it on the last show. Sounders, Galaxy, Austin, Atlanta, Toronto, all uh, going home before the knockout round kicks off. You mentioned producer Beto. Now, of course, he's a, he's a fan, right? He, he loves his Chivas. So he was telling me that he's not that bothered that they're out of the League's Cup because he can look at the Liga Mekis standings, and yes, it's only three games into the season, but he sees them there as the only team that have won all three games. They're in first place, so what do you think? Does this give them a, a better chance to win that Liga Mekis title? Well, it certainly increases their chances of... Uh, I'll say this. It increases their chances. Why do I say that? Because the mm -hmm. further you advance in this tournament, you have to assume Monterrey or Tigres, who are prime candidates for the trophy in Liga Mekis as well, and America, if they advance, it's a game every three to four days. Uh, it's a lot more on your legs. Congested schedule because of League's Cup. And here you have Chivas who get to rest, get to recuperate, get to nurse some of those players that they have coming back or, or get them into fitness like an Alexis Vega. Mm -hmm. It certainly plays into their hands where they have an advantage. But I'm sure even producer Beto would say they'd much rather be fighting for this title. Yes. I also know that producer Beto would mention <laughs> Club America and how they got throttled uh, by Columbus. But just to point out, America were already through to the knockout round. So uh, no worries He's there. <laughs> Elsewhere, Herc, in the yeah. League's Cup, we have Carlos Vela and LAFC. And boy, did they ever put on a show last night against Bravos of Juarez. The final score in this one... Seven to her, seven to one for LAFC. Carlos Vela had a brace. Then Wanga had a hat trick. LAFC punched their ticket to the round of 16. Remember, they had a bye as the reigning champions. That's all the good news for LAFC. However, it was not all good news for the black and gold. Carlos Vela, uh, right around the 70th minute, had to be subbed off with what looked like a leg injury. So let's combine it all. The big win, but the potential injury to their superstar Vela, Herc. Should there be calm or alarm for fans of LAFC? Uh, alarm, yeah. Um, there are those out there who think that Carlos Vela doesn't have a big game track record. Uh -huh. I'm sitting next to one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. But I, I, I think the history you, books say that as well, buddy. Yeah. I think you would agree that if LAFC were to do anything in this tournament, especially on that side of the bracket yes, where they 100%. could face Leon, Monterrey, uh, Tigres, or America, just to get to the final, Carlos Vela would have to be at his best. And, and Denny Bawanga would have to be at his best. Now, if Carlos Vela is not there, if he's not at his optimal level, they struggle. If he's not there to participate and take some of the load off for Denny Boanga, this team has no chance of advancing on that side of the bracket. Carlos Vela has been the emotional leader. Carlos Vela has been there in the biggest of moments that LAFC has had in their history. I do not see a situation where Carlos Vela is not on the field, not there, and LAFC can be successful on this side of the bracket in this tournament. Denny Bowanga will not be able to do it all by himself. Great sign that they reacted because we saw what happened with Pachuca. They have a different squad. It's a rebuild, et cetera, et cetera. But that time off did not help them. LAFC, it has helped them. But without Carlos Vela there, this won't be possible. I'd say alarm in the short term because of what you say. That side of the bracket is just loaded. LAFC is going to have to be at their best. I'd say alarm long term as well. You saw the comments 
Then Carlos Vela made to The Athletic yeah. saying he's thinking about retirement. I think with Carlos Vela, we've known he's thinking about it, but when he says it like that, it makes it feel like it, it could almost be imminent, right? Like it could be well, not too far away, just around the corner. That would worry me if I'm an LAFC fan, especially on the heels of this performance. LAFC kind of limped into this tournament. I think they had just one win in their last six before the break to put up seven. And I know it's Bravos, but hey, they got through a group. What does it say about Austin FC? That's another conversation. But I mean, seven to one is a really impressive mark. You would have thought, boy, this is really turning around. This is this is a great moment for calm after what had been a kind of rough summer. And now you got Vela Hurt. This is this is just a big blow. It's a huge bullet to address the uh, the rumors about retirement. I, I saw an interview in Spanish uh, where he he emphatically said, no, I'll be at least one more year. He mm-hmm. just didn't know if he would be with LAFC. So another cause for alarm is what kind of Carlos Vela will you get coming back and under what situation? And does Carlos Vela want to stake in LAFC? And LAFC throughout its history has no problem letting some of their stars go. So this will be something to keep an eye on. Yep. Two goals and an assist for Vela against Juarez as LAFC advance in the League's Cup. Let's actually take a look at their side of the bracket since we've been talking about it so much. And there you see, Herc, it is absolutely stacked. Leon RSL, Tigres Vancouver, and Rayados Portland all right there in the round of 32. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. What a sweat. The U.S. barely surviving group phase at the World Cup after a 0-0 draw against Portugal in the Group E finale. Portugal with a couple very, very good late chances that would have put the United States out, as is the U.S. gets second in their group in a matchup with Sweden in the first of the knockout rounds. Here's everything, and I mean everything, that was said post-game from New Zealand. Thank you. 
All right. We're still waiting on that sound uh, after the uh, United States scoreless draw against Portugal. Herc, it was uh, very, very nervous there. Uh, I want to get your reaction to what everybody was reacting to after the game, which was not actually how this team performed. Instead, how they were celebrating. Oh, producer Beto says we have the sound. Let's listen to it. Here's the post-game sound uh, after the U.S. drew against Portugal. Uh, I've never, never seen this team step on the field and uh, not, uh, not try hard or not compete. Uh, so everyone is entitled to opinion, and uh, that you know they can say, uh, they, I mean, they can say whatever they want. But I just know how this team feels, uh, and it's, uh, it's not like we, you know, we played well by, by any means. I, you know, we, we like, uh, we owned it. We know that it's not good enough. We know uh, we're not happy with our performance, but. Uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we qualified for the next round. We're moving on. We are not panicking. We <laughs> have made it down the, to the round of 16. I think that we haven't played our best soccer yet, um, which is the most exciting part for us. Um, you know, we are a team that are going to battle, and even when we haven't played our best soccer, uh, I think we've only had one shot on goal. Um, unluckily for us, it went in, but it's been one shot in three games. So, um so, yeah, that's the outside world, not us. Yeah, the only thing I would say on that is, again, it is noise. Um, sometimes, you know, you hear it, you see it, and sometimes it's hard to, to get away get away from it. But, again, it's, it's your guys' job to have the opinion, you know, of our team. You guys are all watching us. Everyone in the world gets to have their opinion. What gives you the comfort to know that you guys will get it all together and everything on the same page for the next one? I just think we will. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, even when we, you know, have a draw like that, or times that we've lost, or times that we haven't played well, I just always feel like we're going to win. I think I have a lot of experience behind me, um, knowing that and being in so many of those big moments. Um, I've seen all these players do it in the league. I've seen all these players do it on this team. So I just would never bet against us. This team is. I think is ready um, for this round of 16 game. These players have shown so much in the last couple of games and I think that, you know, this isn't the first time in my career that we've gone through second in the group. Um, that happened in 2011, we got to the finals and we're unlucky in penalties. So um, I believe that this is a group that'll get us um, to the final again, but we have to take it one step at a time. All right, Herc, a lot of the players there reacting to the comments from Carly Lloyd. She was critical, among other things, about the performance, but also about the celebration seen on television after the scoreless draw. You got any problem with the American team celebrating second place in a ticket in the knockout rounds? Yes, absolutely. And it's the timing of it. It's the location of it. I have no issue because the majority of teams, when they advance to the knockout round, if you will, go back to their hotels. There's a little celebration dinner, welcoming. Uh, you've already accomplished the goal, etc., etc. But certainly not like this, not from the two-time defending champs of the World Cup, where after a game that you're lucky that you tied. You could have been going home. You're lucky that you tied. It's been an underwhelming group phase. You're caught on camera, on the field, smiling, dancing, laughing, having a great time, like nothing matters and it's okay. The reality is, it's not okay. Uh, you need to read the room. You need to gauge the temperature. Uh, the rest of the world has caught up. Uh, they're as good as you are technically, if not better. They're as good as you are tactically, and I would say probably better, and, and catching up to you athletically in a lot of terms. Mm. So what you need to do is gauge 
the room or the temperature, read the room and understand that there are moments uh, that this is acceptable and there are moments that are not. And at that exact moment in time, it would have been better just to get on team bus. Yeah. I have to say, when I saw the video flash across the screen, I too was surprised, right? Because we always hear about the standards of this U.S. women's national team and how they came to be back-to-back -back World Cup champions. And you would think, judging off those standards, this team would be very upset. I don't have as much a problem with the celebrations because I think, like, we can paint them one way. If you actually saw them, they, they weren't cheering. It wasn't a lot of rah-rah. It was a lot of pictures with fans. It was pretty muted. I think what really we're getting at here is frustration with the team's performance, Herc. That, that's really what this is based on, not just in the criticisms from Carly Lloyd, but in the criticisms we're really hearing from all over the place of the team and specifically the manager, Vlatko Andonovsky. So as we pull it back to that level, what do you think went wrong for this team against Portugal and the performance specifically? Well, Vlatko has a lot to do with it. If you look at the tactics, it looks very root one. It looks very trying to isolate players out. Why have them do one v one? You know, uh, performances from a wide position, see what they can individually get out of it. But there's very little combination play. There's very little build-up play. The midfield is non-existent. You're not creating a whole ton of chances. Yeah, you're limiting the opponent to chances, but when they get chances, it's off nervy like Portugal didn't do a whole lot but they had you on the edge of your seat very nervous uh, for, for a lot of that game especially towards the end this is a team that's very lackluster when it comes to attacking uh, they struggle uh, to build out of the back and be creative in the final third if a, a team sits deep. They lack that creativity. If they don't have anything going for themselves in transition and open space they're very very toothless and that's worrisome. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we got to point to Alex Morgan, right? That's a player that I think everybody thought would put the finishing touches. And even if there's not a ton of chances right now, her record suggests she should be finishing at a much higher clip. And when she doesn't take those chances, I feel, Herc, like you can start to sense the rest of the team worry. Because this is, again, something we pointed out is not new. It's something that's been building throughout this tournament, throughout the last two years. This team knows what their problems are. And every minute that goes by, that that front three, which when you put it on paper, especially when you're talking about players like Alex Morgan and Sophia Smith, who we see dominate the National Women's Soccer League, when they are not producing at this level, I think it's extremely worrisome. To your point about the manager, there is some blame there. And you're not the only one that's identifying Vlatko Andonovsky. Let's hear from Kristen Press, who had some very interesting insights on the U.S. manager. And so this is why it's so interesting, because it's like a micro moment that's reflective of the macro moment. In the game, we need to make, in every soccer match, you yeah. need to make tactical adjustments to exploit spaces, get numerical advantage, yada, yada. And we haven't seen in a game any of those tactical adjustments, but it points to the larger point that have we seen any tactical adjustments in the last year? <laughs> have we seen any different formations tried? Have we seen any... Um, adjustments to the way that we're pressing. Yeah. We've seen the team come out for the last year in the same general um, shape, yeah. in the same general pressing structure. And the question I have is now we're in this tournament and we're saying, okay, we're not super happy with the first three performances, but we're going to grow and we're growing into this tournament. Yeah. But if we haven't seen growth in the last year, then yeah. how can we expect growth now to happen over the next seven days? Very interesting there, Herc. What do you make of Press's comments? She's right. Since Vlako's taken over 2019, uh, I I've seen Vlako struggle at the Olympic level, one of the worst uh, performances that we've seen from the U.S. women's national team. We we've seen him 
come through and, and, and say there's going to be a generational change and, and not do it. And then months leading up to the World Cup, all of a sudden, generational change. Here it is with players who have never played with each other. Now, I asked you in our rundown meeting, Seb, what is Vlako Andonovsky's marquee moment with the U.S. Mm. women's national team? What did you say to me? I said it was the three-game losing streak against the European teams last fall. Maybe I could point to CONCACAF W Championship beating Canada there if I wanted to be nice. The, the, but can, yeah. the Canadian group that didn't qualify out of their group. Yes, That's they were what, the reigning Olympic gold medalists at the time. But yes, there is no obvious marquee moment. There is no obvious marquee moment. There hasn't been progression with this team. They've not introduced young talent at, at a rate where you could for whatever reason, assume that they would do well in a World Cup. A lot of these players, their first World Cup, you can see the nerves on some of them, surprise call-ups, if you will. But this team's not performed at the optimal level that maybe fans are accustomed to from the U.S. women's national team, but it's because of the coach. They're not mm. put in positions to be successful. We can point to maybe some very good star players not being there, uh, Mallory Swanson, uh, Katarina McQuarrie. You, you could point out some of those key players aren't there. But certainly what you have is enough talent to play better, maybe not mm. mop the floor with some of these teams, but show more of a, a, a nuanced idea when you attack, a, a tactical buildup, some sort of uh, idea where you say, you know what, it's not coming out the way they want, but I could see the idea is there. It's interesting hearing these comments from Kristen Press because they remind me of the interview that we did with Lindsey Horan just before the team left for the World Cup. And I asked her to compare... Jill Ellis and Vladko Andonovsky. And the thing she said about Jill Ellis was there was always a very specific plan for each opponent. Everybody knew exactly what their job was, and there wasn't a lot of wiggle room. And I think when you've heard players talk about Jill Ellis, they've kind of complained about that. Like the, things were almost too robotic, but it was so successful both in 2015 and again in 2019. And what Lindsey Horan said about Vladko Andonovsky was, more about style of play and trying to keep things the same every time they go out. I think we're seeing now, and you're hearing it in the comments from Kristen Press, that this team needs some tactical flexibility, some type of different tactics. And I think beyond that, at this point, when we look at the squad, they need some personnel changes. So let's give Latko some ideas, because we know he's watching Football Americas. If you had to change up the starting 11 for the knockout round game against Sweden, what would you do? Well, one of the obvious changes, and you're talking to a, a, a former nine, is you've got to get more from your nine position. And, mm. and Alex Morgan is a legend in the game. She's You called her one of your goats. I think she's a very good player for the U.S. Women's National Team. She's a legendary player, but she's not been on. At least what we've seen in the group phase, missed a penalty kick in the first game. Forget the penalty kick she missed. She's not been on. Mentally, she looks a, a step off uh, when it comes in, in terms of, of connecting plays, of getting on the end of it. She's been a little toothless in front of goal. We've not seen the same First step from Alex Morgan, give her a break. Let her relax. We've seen Sophia Smith operate in, in that center position uh, in the NWSL, but we, we see her day in and day out for almost two seasons be the most lethal player in the league. Let her get a run up top. Let her be that person. Let her be that player that could somewhat take the team on her shoulders offensively and give you an escape because I feel like they're chasing the game. And this team chasing the game, when a team sits on you and you have to chase the game, you allow them to counter. You allow them to take advantage of certain or spaces along the field. But you are toothless and you lack creativity, especially with no Rose Lavelle in the next game. So maybe give uh, Sophia Smith a chance up there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you want, you want to tinker with... 
The three up front, I think that's valid. Roosevelt's absence is huge, and you got to figure out what to do. I was talking to Allie Krieger for one of our specials on ESPN, and she wanted to move Crystal Dunn into the midfield. Now, you know I love me some Crystal Dunn, but I actually really want to see Ashley Sanchez get that opportunity, Herc. This is a player who I see all the time with the Washington spirit. She is so creative, right? You need creators yeah. right now. You need people who can see something different and provide opportunities for others. We know that front three can finish if they get opportunities. They're just not getting them right now. So I want to see Ashley Sanchez in that midfield, and I also want to see Julie Ertz in that midfield. I think Ertz has to get into the midfield so Lindsey Horan can do a little bit less dirty work and maybe focus a little bit more on the attack. She's such a good player when she can focus on going forward, and that means you're dropping Alana Cook back into the back line. Cook and Germa, I think that's how this team should have gone from the jump. That's what you relied upon in the final few games after Becky Sauerbrunn was hurt. Those are your best two young center backs. Those are probably your center backs of the future. I think it's time now, Herc, for wholesale changes. And that's the only reason you could think about a quick turnaround. When Christian Press talks about, well, there, there's no reason to believe in a quick turnaround. The only way is for Vladko Anonofsky to do something radical with his lineup because we need to see a radical change in the productivity from this U.S. women's national team. As far as Sweden is concerned, Herc, what's your biggest worry about the showdown with the Swedes in the round of 16? That may be not the World Cup level, but especially in, in cup competition, they, they've had your number. They mm. eliminated you from the Olympics in Brazil. They eliminated. They had a good showing in the Olympics in, in Tokyo. They know how to play you because they play you so much. It, it seems for me the worst possible outcome of a team that knows exactly who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, and then maybe feels they have your number. So this is a bad matchup for me. It, yeah. it, it really is. Any way you slice this as a team, is going to be very physical. They're going to be very direct. Uh, all things that I think could be um, very difficult to combat if you're the U.S. women's national team because of how you play and the spaces you can leave. Yeah, I'm thinking about how well-rested they're going to be too, her. Because they won so convincingly in that game against Italy, they were able to make nine changes for the game against Argentina. So while we're talking about Roosevelt not being there and the injuries for the Americans, you got a Swedish team that's playing well and it's going to be coming in fresh. You mentioned the history. The form in this tournament suggests that they're not just better than the United States. They're one of the best teams playing in this tournament right now. Right now, I'd say Sweden and Japan are probably the two teams that, for me, have hit the highest level. And the one thing that they do really, really well is get in behind. And I know you saw it in that Portugal game because everybody's saying that the U.S. defense has been pretty solid. There were a couple very innocent balls from the Portuguese that created some trouble in yeah. behind. The balls from Sweden will not be innocent. And I think Black Stenius is a type of player who will not be innocent either. If she gets two or three chances, she's going to finish. This is a huge concern for me, Herc. As, as I look at this matchup, I mean, unless I'm looking at data from 2015 or 2019 and I'm, I'm leaning into the American spirit, I don't really have anything that suggests the U.S. can win here. Yeah, so... so it's interesting because Portugal is a team that has nine players that play for Benfica. It's a very cohesive unit. Mm -hmm. They know how to play mm -hmm. with each other. It's very difficult playing against an actual team. This is a club team almost. But Jessica Silva, almost by herself, anytime she was isolated, you got nervous. You got really nervous. And that's Portugal. Now you're talking about one of the best teams in this tournament, a team that's in form and well-rested, like you just mentioned. It's going to be an uphill battle for the U.S. Uh, women's national team.
Yeah. And what about set pieces, by the way? Of course, the U.S. got one uh, in the game against the Netherlands. Great corner kick header from Lindsey Horan. But Sweden have been an absolute threat. Amanda Ehlist at their center back already has three goals to her credit in the tournament as a defender. So Sweden from set pieces, dangerous. Should be a uh, very interesting matchup there in the round of 16. Let's take a look at the odds for who's going to end up winning the Women's World Cup. Very interesting. Okay, so the U.S. still installed as the uh, second highest favorite, now behind England, who do have a pretty nice draw. England getting uh, the odds there at plus 300. France plus 750. Spain plus 450. And Japan, the team that for me has hit the highest level yet in this tournament with that 4-0 demolition of Spain. I think a pretty good value well, there. What about Australia? Sam Kerr hasn't even played. 800. I know, I know, Herc, but I just... I, I don't see it. Unless she comes back at 100%, uh, then maybe we'll be singing a different tune. But there you have it, the, uh, the hosts. They're at uh, 12 to 1 to win it all down under. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk some transfers, shall we? Because it is that time of year as well. We'll start in the air to this. Feyenoord doing some business. They've extended the contract of Santiago Jimenez through the year 2027. Jimenez, of course, 22 years old. He scored 23 goals across all competitions in his first season in Europe. Let's hear from the Mexican international on his new deal. This is an exclusive interview, by the way. Santiago, you've extended your contract with Feyenoord till 2027. Uh, congratulations uh, first. What were the main reasons for you to extend it already? Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, to give a, mas- a message to, uh, to the fans that uh, I wanted to stay. Obviously, I'm really glad uh, to the club that they, they give me this chance, to, this opportunity, this chance to, to sign one more year. And it's nice because when, when you go to the stadium and see all, all the fans uh, loving you and, and having the shirt of the 29 is like a motivation for me to, to give the fans uh, an extra thing. And with your contract extension at Feyenoord, you send out a strong signal. Uh, what are you looking forward to, to the most in the coming season? I'm thinking myself uh, to be the top scorer, that uh, I was close last season. But I know this is a new challenge and I can do it. Uh, and of course, win the, the prizes that, that we play. Even Champions League, we know it's difficult, but... We, we are dreamers and we need to imagine good things. 
Santi hanging the Mexican flag in the background for the interview. Good stuff. Speaking of CONCACAF forwards, Haji Wright. He scored a goal at the World Cup. He's set to join Coventry City in the championship from Antalya Spor in Turkey. He, of course, scored 15 goals in the Turkish league last season. 14 league goals the year before that. Haji Wright moving on up from Turkey to the championship with Coventry City. More USMNT transfer news. Austin Trusty is now a Premier League player. That's right. He signed with just promoted Sheffield United from Arsenal. Last season, on loan at Birmingham City. Had a great campaign in the championship. The 24-year-old just recently made his senior national team debut with the United States in March. Congratulations to Austin Trusty joining Sheffield United in the English top flight. And how about Matthew Hoppy? He's coming to Major League Soccer. That's right, the 22-year-old will join San Jose on a 12-month loan from Middlesbrough in the championship. San Jose, of course, uh, out of League's Cup, but currently sixth in the Western Conference. Let's see if Matthew Hoppy can help the Quakes in their postseason push. All right, Herc, a lot of moves to dissect there. Which deal do you like the most? That, that Matthew Hoppy stash was, was gross. Um, all right. Uh, okay, relax. You of all people cannot talk about mustache. Well, Please. some of us can pull it off, all right? Mm. All right. Uh, Austin Dressy, come on down. That's who I'm taking here. And I actually love this move for him. Listen, I, I didn't know what to make of it when he went from the Colorado Rapids to Arsenal, okay? Mm. And I was like, all right, this is one of those, you know, a player goes to Chelsea, gets loaned out somewhere else, and we'll never hear from him again. That wasn't the case, actually, at Birmingham City. He was a player of the season for them. There was one month where he was scoring a goal, like, every single week, standout performances, he gets his Premier League move. I love that there is another defender uh, in the U.S. Men's National Team pool that you can count on, and he happens to be playing in the best league in the world. Now, here's what I also love. Left-footed center back. If you were to ask me right now, any center back in the pool, is he guaranteed 1A? I can give you a butt for every single one of them. So it's great to have another player in that pool that's playing at a high level that has an intangible being left-footed, being good in the best league in the world, coming off a good year, and is rewarded with a good uh, transfer. Big move for Austin Trusty. I like the move for Santiago Jimenez. Now, I'm not one of these people that necessarily is in a rush for Santi to leave the Eredivisie. He's had a good year there. I think another year there could go a long way in his development and also boosting his value around Europe. When I see this deal, Herc, especially when I consider the timing of it, right? The window has yet to close. We know there's a lot of money circulating in the European theater. There's a lot of teams looking for a number nine. When I see this club doing this deal now, and I remember the comments from Denis Teclose, who said, we don't want to sell Santiago Jimenez, but you know, you never know. You never know. He seemed to close the door, but leave it open just a little bit. This tells me that this is in response to interest, which is always a good thing for a Mexican forward to have. Do you think this deal means he'll be at the club longer or shorter? He gone. It's, it's that simple. This is an in insurance In the next month, policy. you think? This is an insurance policy, Seb. He extended a year. He didn't extend three more years. He's not showing the club as he said that he wants to stay. It's the opposite. What he's doing is rewarding the club. When you sign an extension that's a new deal, guess what also is new? A new release clause. Mm. They're going to up that release clause, and they're going to win. Feyenoord and the player will win. But this literally 
this is all signs point to he will be sold soon. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. We will keep an eye on the transfer wire, see if Santiago Jimenez moves before the deadline comes. Let's run it back here, Herc, because we have had some great games on ESPN as the summer of soccer continues here in the United States. Juventus taking on Real Madrid in Orlando and Tim Weah, Herc, getting on the score sheet. You know, I didn't think Tim Weah was going to fit in so well, at least not in this preseason, in this American tour. Uh, He's very good in open space, but he is finding some spaces. He is coming into the midfield. He is making that team one of his own. It looks like Cuadrado 2.0 out there. Juventus 3-1 winners. And how about that? Weston McKinney with an assist, perhaps. There is a future for Weston at Juventus after all is said and done. Timothy Weah with the goal for Juve against Real Madrid. La Liga's North American Summer Series continues on Saturday. Real Betis against Real Sociedad at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then after that, Atletico Madrid against Sevilla. Again, that's Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. The action starts right here on ESPN Plus as well as ESPN Deportes. doesn't necessarily need to be a rich man's plaything. It can be for anyone, you know, and good timing for this type of project. We've seen with Wrexham, they have Ryan Reynolds as their owner, you know, no Ryan Reynolds, but this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get through what the fans, and we're trying to say you don't need to be a millionaire to win a football club. You don't need to be a, a movie star to, to buy into a club. You know, this is a project that's accessible for, for, for most folk. Okay, her time to get to know a club here on Football Americas. We're talking Caledonian Braves. They're a team in Scotland's fifth tier. They play in the Lowland League. They actually started in the sixth tier when the club began from scratch back in 2011. They play at Alliance Park in Motherwell. It's a ground with a capacity of around 500. They've just kicked off a WeFunder campaign trying to create a global ownership community so fans around the world can own a piece of a Scottish club trying to make its way up the pyramid. A very cool story. And joining us for more, the man in charge, Chris Ewing. He's the founder and owner of Caledonian Braves. Chris, I want to ask you all about the potential investments here, because I got to be honest, about six months ago, before I had my kid and I had some money in the bank account, <laughs> this is exactly what I would have been into. Now it's nothing but a bunch of zeros. So I don't think I can help you, but I get it, right? Like, this is everybody's dream. Can I, can I own a club? Can I own a piece of a club? So uh, tell me a little bit about your perspective, your story. Why did you start this club from scratch and what were your goals? Hi, guys. Um, thanks for having me. So, yeah, I'm the owner and founder of Caledonian Braves. Um, it's a, a brand new club in Scotland. Um, we're actually the youngest senior football club in Scotland. Um, and the, the idea behind the club is to create a community, um, to create a, a community of owners from around the world um, who would invest a minimum $100 to own a part of a Scottish football club. Um, I'm the only person in Scotland who owns my own football club, um, quite simply because in Scotland there's a lot of tradition. Um, and the average club in Scotland is about 100 years old, so our club is very young and I'm very privileged to own the club. But alone, um, I'm quite limited in what I can do. Um, and I want to share the club and we have a very unique opportunity through Caledonian Brave to do something exciting, fun um, and involve people from around the world. Um, in the ownership model of the club, and this is what we've launched in the last couple of weeks. We have over 340 owners from around the world, most of the owners coming from America, some coming from Mexico, a couple um, of people from Mexico, and literally all over the world. So we're looking to try and um, build this ownership community as we go into the next few weeks, into the next few months, and, and this is a great opportunity for us tonight to, to share this with your audience. 
Chris, you mentioned that Scottish football clubs are, are kind of old. Uh, you guys call yourself the disruptors. I, I'm curious, uh, the Scottish FA has been around since, what, 1873. Uh, what's <laughs> yeah. been the reaction in Scotland to this club? Has there been any pushback from maybe some of the old heads or the traditional powers that be? Yeah, I think, I mean, like anything else, tradition, um, people don't necessarily like change in Scotland, the Scottish football, I think. Um, the fact that we play good football, we're trying to do things the right way, we have good coaches, um, people have came around to us, um, and it's it's actually, you know, you could say we're a little bit like Marmite for some people, but that's why some people, people like us as well, because we are different and we are trying to do something a little bit different. Um, so it's exciting, you know, and hopefully we can win some of the doubters over. I think we have done so in the last few years. Um, and I think we'll continue to do that as, as we go on. All right, look, this wouldn't be an interview on Football Americas with somebody from Europe if I didn't bring up promotion and relegation. It's obviously something that we don't have here in the United States, although we hear USL might be dipping their toes uh, in those waters. Obviously, that's a huge part of your story here. Uh, let me just put it this way. If there wasn't the chance to move up, if there wasn't a chance to be promoted, which you've already been successfully promoted once from the sixth tier to the fifth tier, would you be investing at all, or is that kind of central to what you're doing in the story you're selling? Oh, I think I think it's really important. I think any sport, it's all about people. It's about hope. It's about inspiration. Um, it's about a sporting meritocracy. And I think everybody loves the story of an underdog. I think everybody loves the story of taking a small club or supporting a small club and going up through the divisions and going up to the Champions League and winning trophies and winning leagues. And the fact that we have this promotion and relegation system in Europe um, certainly allows us to do that and it allows people to dream and allows us to hope for better and that's what it's all about you know it's about inspiring folk um, and ultimately the more people that we have as investors um, then the more money we can bring into the club um, the better quality of player and the better infrastructure we can have around the club and the more chances we will have of going up through the divisions and I think that's what's really exciting and I think the great opportunity that we have here in Scotland is it takes far less investment to grow from tier 5 in Scotland to the Premiership than it would in any other major European league. And I think that's what's really exciting. And I think that opportunity is very unique. This uh, global ownership community really interests me. Now, now, I'm a potential investor. Sell me on this idea. What do you hope to accomplish with my money, Chris? Uh, what is my money going to get me? Like, do I have any decisions in player personnel? What happens? How far can my money go for me as an investor? Do I get to pick yeah, the starting well. lineup? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think we'd need to see the coach about it. I don't think he would be very happy, Ricky Waddle. He wouldn't allow that, I don't think. To, an to answer your question, first thing I should say, it's not all about money. You know, I think when you think about investment, um, it's natural to think, okay, it's about money. It's about uh, what they get from money. Ultimately, it's about people. It's about creating a community. Um, the minimum investment is $100. It can be more than that. One, one share, $100. Um, what you get for that $100 is a sense of community. Um, you get to own a real Scottish club, so you are a real owner of a football club, um, and you get to be—you're involved in all decisions um, around the club. You won't get to pick the team, that's for sure, but you will get to play a part in the strategy. You will get to apply for a, a spot on the board. Um, you will have an opportunity through our app. We have a bespoke app you can download on the App Store or Google Play, and you can put your ideas forward. And essentially, what you have that a lot of clubs don't give their fans is a voice, a real voice. Um, and, and again, it's about me owning the club at the moment, realising that I'm very limited in what I can do on my own, and it's about sharing it with the world. And it's not only just, again, it's not just about bringing in money, it's about having fun doing it, and it's about creating something, creating a legacy and creating something of worth 
And that's been the most exciting thing for me. It's not just been the money that's coming in. It's actually seen those people all around the world starting to support the club, starting to message the club, starting to watch the games, starting to get in touch through social media. And that's something that excites me um, far more than the money, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Chris, very exciting stuff. Listen, uh, before we let you go, I got to ask, because one of the great frustrations, I think, for fans of the Wrexham show is that it was kind of tough to follow Wrexham here in the United States. You couldn't, you couldn't watch them week in and week out. How would we follow the Caledonian Braves? Like, where can we find your matches? Well, we are actually, between now and the end of August, the plan is that all of our games will be streamed live. So fans from out with the UK and obviously in the United States will be able to watch the games live. We're also producing content behind the scenes. I think that's what Wrexham did very well, obviously, is they created that documentary and it was on uh, Disney and I think that was fantastic. Um, But what we are trying to say to folk is you don't have to be Ryan Reynolds. You don't have to be Tom Brady to own a football club. You can be... Um, you know, Joe Bloggs, you can be anyone essentially. If you have $100, you can buy into the club um, and you can own, own the football club and you can watch the games live online um, and you can get involved with the players, the staff and the fellow owners as well. Chris Ewing, owner of Caledonian Braves. You already got Hercules Gomez, <laughs> hard-earned money. Great to have you here on the show and good luck with the project. Really exciting stuff. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. And a reminder, our Summer of Soccer continues here on ESPN. Manchester United against Athletic Bilbao. That one, 10.55 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Catch it on ESPN as well as ESPN Deportes. And a reminder, our Summer of Soccer continues here on ESPN. Manchester United against Athletic Bilbao. That one, 10.55 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Catch it on ESPN as well as ESPN Deportes. Kirk, let's get back to the World Cup and focus on a CONCACAF side that are absolutely flying. That would be Jamaica. They held Brazil to a scoreless draw in their group finale. Put them through to the knockout rounds. They'll actually get a date with Colombia in the round of 16. Jamaica, all defense, conceding zero goals in their three games played in a group that featured not just Brazil, but France and Panama as well. For more on the reggae girls, let's call on our very own Alexis Nunes. Hey, Sevian Hurricane. Yes, you already know I am still on cloud nine because this is single-handedly the most significant moment in Jamaican football history. And for so long, we've been clinging on to the reggae boys getting a World Cup berth back in 1998. But this definitely surpasses that because we have to remind people that this is the second time the reggae girls have actually qualified for the World Cup. And it has been against all odds. They've had a lot of issues with the Jamaica Football Federation and getting camps together, but they were able to get it all together to make it here but to even get out of the group a group that had France and a group that had Brazil a Brazil with a Marta is truly spectacular now it's being talked about back home as probably one of the most or at least top three most significant moments in just Jamaican sporting history and you know that that is huge praise considering the the pedigree that we do have in track and field with the likes of Shelly and Fraser Price and Usain Bolt still being the fastest man in the world and of course our bobsled team because everyone Everyone loves to bring that up as well. But the reggae girls definitely have written their name in history, becoming the first Caribbean nation to qualify out of the group at a Women's World Cup. But you know what? I think it's an even bigger message to the world that they do deserve more respect. Because last time out, yes, they were the sweethearts of the World Cup. We were just happy to be at a World Cup. But this time around, I said it, these players have aged. They've come with more experience. They've gone on different journeys. You've seen Ali Swaby, who's played in Europe and is now back at Angel City. We have seen 
a phenomenal rise in Khadija Bunny Shaw becoming one of Manchester City's most significant players and just one of the best players or attackers I think in world football at the moment so this team came here to compete they're not just trying to have a great time and they definitely have thrown a big gauntlet down so to get to the round of 16 is something that they will be taking seriously because it was on the back of two phenomenal defensive performances the fact that they could hold France and Brazil to goalless draws is just still something that leaves my jaw on the floor they were brilliantly organized in defense which we know is not easy to do when you're sitting there soaking up pressure from some of the best in the world and then the defender again Ali Swaby is the one that gave us our our lone goal in that win against Panama truly just overall a phenomenal defensive performance that we don't usually give credit for for defensive performances and that's definitely going to have to come into play in the next match against Colombia because we've seen just how good Colombia can be in attack especially with Linda Caicedo who when she's scoring goals like she did last time I almost feel like you could put the best defense in the world in front of her and there's just no chance they could save that but Jamaica definitely will want to be tight in defense to hold off the Conma ball uh, Queens there in that one but one thing I do want to see us get better in is in attack I talked about Khadija Bunny Shaw she is one of the best in the world right now but she needs a bit more service we cannot play defensively or as defensively against Colombia you're not gonna get to the final we're on the back of a bunch of draws unless it keeps going to penalties but that is definitely a dangerous path there so once Khadija Shaw gets some service and we can see the best of her I think Jamaica definitely has a great chance of getting the better of Colombia Colombia Jamaica what a tasty tasty matchup in the round of 16 there you see they are on the opposite side of the bracket from the United States who kick off the knockout rounds this weekend against Sweden Jamaica getting through is a happy story. Brazil going out early is a sad story as it means the end of the run for Marta's World Cup career. She's 37 years old. This is her sixth World Cup appearance for the sixth time FIFA World Player of the Year. She, of course, is part of those Brazilian teams that were unstoppable in the early 2000s. 17 career World Cup goals. A record for the GOAT. Foi isso, mas vida que segue, futebol feminino não acaba aqui, futebol do Brasil feminino não acaba aqui e a gente precisa entender isso, as pessoas que gostam de assistir o nosso trabalho, as pessoas que apoiam, continuem apoiando, as que não gostam, pode criticar porque isso é normal e a gente tem que saber lidar com as críticas e a vida que vai seguir. Marta, what a career, I mentioned the six time FIFA player of the year. Five of those were in a row from 2006 to 2010. She was just about unplayable. Took Brazil to silver medals in the 2004-2008 Olympics and to a second place finish at the 2007 World Cup where she scored a tournament best seven goals. All right, that'll about do it for this edition of Football Américas. Herc, before we get out of here, what are you wearing? That is a thing of beauty. Yes, this is a Club Nacional de Football. Many of you may have seen Boca Juniors yesterday in Libertadores, 0-0 tie against the Uruguayan team. This is that Uruguayan mm. team, and this is that beautiful, beautiful jersey. That wow, that is, boy. A, that is a great, What are you wearing, color. corporate Seb? Hey, hey, it's been it's been a long travel week, all right? We're down to the last few Laundry shirts day. in luggage. Uh, all right, so we will not be back on Monday. We will be back on Tuesday. And who knows? Will Lionel Messi still be 
in Leagues Cup? Will the U.S. Women's National Team still be in the World Cup? So much to discuss next week. We will see you on Tuesday right here on ESPN+. Plus.